Thanks so much for joining us for the New Life Coolangatta podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planting and leading thriving local churches. We pray that this message is a blessing. And one of our local missions is Blair Athol is partnering with them. Now, did you know that Blair Athol was actually started out of this church many, many years ago when it used to be Twin Towns Uniting? And so it is a homeless hub up there in Chugan, and we're partnering with them by collecting toiletries. People can go there, get free showers, free lunches, um, clean up, and so they need toiletries. So there's a little basket in the foyer you'll see. It's going to be there all the time. So whenever you go shopping, if you can pick up a few extra toiletries, bring them in, put them in the basket. When it gets full, we're going to take it down there and give it to them. It's one way that we can just show them the love and grace of God that we've been given that we can give to others as well. So if I've not met you, my name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life Coolangatta. And we've just celebrated Easter, where we actually focus on the death and the resurrection of Jesus and what that actually means for humanity, but more importantly, how it showed us the character and nature of God. You see, we saw the love of God on display for humanity in the cross of Jesus Christ. We also see the victory over sin and death in the resurrection of Jesus It was this display of the judgment on sin, but also the power of God to defeat sin for us. But here's the thing, that was not the end of the story. Because after Jesus resurrected, he showed himself to the disciples, and he actually gave them a command to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. You see, Jesus gave the disciples a mission. And then he just takes off. He leaves them and just ascends back into heaven. It's really interesting, right? Like Jesus just leaves just leaves his disciples on their own to fill out this mission that he gives them. Have you ever wondered why? Like, why did Jesus ascend? Why did he leave? Well, what I want to do today is answer this very question because theologian J.I. Packer says, the ascension of Jesus or of Christ is a vital component to the gospel message. Wow, okay. Well, if that's true, we need to answer this main question. Why did Jesus ascend into heaven? And in the book of Acts, we actually have a record of Jesus' ascension. In Acts chapter 1, it says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, this is Jesus, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days' time you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He says, Not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After, this, he said, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going. Then suddenly two men dressed in white stood before them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand looking into the sky? This same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. You know, I, I just love scripture. It's just so honest and, and true that, that the disciples, they're standing there, Jesus gets taken up, and they're just like... And there are these two angels, they're like, why are you looking up into the sky? And it's like, what do you think? That's not normal. Like... He's flying. We try to fly. I've done it. I've put a Superman coat on and I've jumped and it doesn't work. That's just weird. That's why we're looking up there. But before we get into the message today, I'd love to pray. So would you please join me in prayer? 
Father God, we just thank you for your word, Lord, for your word is truth. God, we thank you that in your word we find your character, your nature, your love for humanity, your love for us. We thank you that we can dig into your word and find truth that will set us free. So God, I pray that you would help me preach your word today with truth, with grace, and with love. That in the end, Lord, they would only look to you, not to me. The one You would only look to you, the one who could bring life, and life in all its fullness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I remember when I first got saved of mid, oh no, not mid, early 30s. I was 33 when I got saved and it was only a few weeks after I got saved that I had the Jehovah's Witness come to my door. Anyone had the Jehovah's Witness come and, and chat to them at their door? Yep, so they turned up and, and they're like, we want to talk about the Bible. I'm like, oh, okay, let's talk about the Bible. I'm a Christian now, that's all cool. Um, and then they started to explain to me how Jesus wasn't God. And they're like, he's not God. And I'm like, oh, well, I thought Christians believed that he was God. Like, if I got this all wrong, am I have my faith in the wrong faith? Like, what's the story? And they left. And I remember going into my room, just weeping and going, God, I just want to know you. I just want to know the true God. I want to worship the true God. Who are you? I need you to show me who you really are. And then over the next few months, just reading God's word, God, the Holy Spirit, was just highlighting all throughout Scripture where Jesus is God where he is the Son of God, where he is God in the flesh, where he was the one who was promised to come to take away the sins of the world. And God just highlighted that to me throughout his word. And then a couple of months later, they turned back up. They knocked back on my door. And then we had a conversation again. But then I'm like, look here, look here, look here. This talks about him being the Son of God. And they're like, oh, this kind of all makes sense. I'm like, yeah. And they go, ah, we're not going to come back. We're not coming back to your house. I'm like, oh, okay. And they left. Sure enough, they haven't come back. I see them in the street, but they bypassed my house. So I've probably got this big X across my house. But have you been ever asked a question about your faith that you actually didn't know how to answer? Could you answer today's question if someone asked you, why did Jesus ascend into heaven? You see, that question that Jehovah's Witness asked me, is Jesus really God? It actually drove me to Scripture to find the answer. And what I want to do today, I'm going to do that today. I don't want this, the answer to this question to, to be my thoughts or my philosophy. I want it to be from the Word of God, the Bible. You know, we actually need to get our truth from the Word of God, from God's Word. Therefore, today we're going to have a lot of Scripture. And it's going to be more of a teaching message than a preaching message today. But I think that's what's needed on the subject. You're like, but we love David's preaching. He's awesome. He gets us so pumped. I'm like, yes, he does. But today's going to be different. Sorry about that. So the first reason Jesus ascended back into heaven was to present himself as a perfect sacrifice for our sins at the literal throne of God. He had to ascend to heaven to the throne room of God. Well, where do you get this idea of sacrifice? Well, we get it from the Old Testament. We get it right from the beginning of Scripture. When Adam and Eve walked away from God, God actually killed an animal and clothed them in the animal's hair. You see, they had to be clothed in, in, for their sin. They had to be clothed. They had to be, a sacrifice had to be made to cover that. And then we go throughout the Old Testament. We see sacrifice happening all the time to cover sin. You see, sin brings death. And we get to Moses and God brings in this sacrificial system. He brings in the law. He says, look at all these ways that you're not walking in faithfulness and goodness and mercy and love. We see Leviticus in that, in that space. 
And he goes, this is what actually it brings. It brings death when we don't walk in those areas. But here's a sacrificial system to point the way forward to someone to come. And he actually gives him this, this pattern, this, this tabernacle. He says, make this tabernacle to the pattern I show you because it's a pattern, a reflection of the heavenly throne room. In this tabernacle, there's this space where God dwells, the holy of holies where no one can enter. What this was is was this foreshadow of what was to come, that Jesus actually would come and fulfill all the sacrificial law. But the Pharisees didn't understand that. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and they're like, how does this work? And he goes, hey, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life, but they testify of me. It's talking about me, the perfect sacrifice to come. And if you want to understand the old sacrificial system and how Jesus actually fulfills it, there's a book in the New Testament called Hebrews. And if you want to find out how this all works together, best to go to Hebrews, the best book to understand this. So we're going to go to Hebrews a lot today. Hebrews 9 says, Moses said, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way he sprinkled with the blood, both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Again, here we're talking about that tabernacle, the, the holy of holies. And in this holy of holies, this space was, was the Ark of the Covenant. It's where the Ark of God was, where the, the Ten Commandments was in the Ark. And on top of the Ark was, was the mercy seat, where once a year someone would go in and offer the sacrifices for sin. Why does it have to be cleansed by blood? Because to make it holy. Because sin brings death. Again, it's pointing forward to the cross of Jesus, where Jesus shed his blood to cleanse us. And he continues in verse 23, he says, It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. What he's saying is this, this earthly temple, this earthly tabernacle was a copy of the heavenly throne room. And they were cleansed with the blood of animals, but, but the heavenly throne room needed a way better sacrifice, needed something perfect to cleanse us. In 24, he continues, For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself now to appear for us in the presence of God. You see, Jesus didn't go into the earthly temple, the one that was made with hands, the copy. He actually went into the heavenly throne room to present himself as the perfect sacrifice to God for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus had to ascend into heaven to finish the work he started on the cross and through his resurrection. This is super important for us to understand. The ascension into the heavenly throne room is a key piece in our salvation. You see, if Jesus didn't ascend into heaven, we would still be in our sins. Sarah Packer says, The ascension of Christ is a vital component of the gospel message. It affirms that he is alive and exalted and that his sacrifice on the cross has been accepted by the Father. This is the gospel message. That Jesus died for our sin, that he rose again in victory over sin and death and now he's ascended into heaven for the forgiveness of our sins to bring completion to the gospel message. 25 says, nor did he enter to offer himself again and again the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood that's not of his own. Otherwise, Christ would have to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. 
You see, Jesus' ascension is the one-time sacrifice for sin for all of time. When Jesus said on the cross, it is done, it is done. Past, present, future sin, it is all dealt with. You see, in the Old Testament, people looked forward to the cross. They looked forward to the Messiah to come. And we look back 2,000 years to the cross. You see, in the Old Testament, it talks about Abraham. It says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. It's always been through faith. This whole Old Testament sacrificial system was to say, there is one to come to fulfill. So they look forward to the cross. And we as Christians, we say 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and fulfilled the law and the prophets when he died for us. And we look back to the cross. And the thing is, the high priest back then had to go in every year into the Holy of Holies. Only once a year could anyone go into this holy place to offer the blood of the sacrifice for the sins of himself first and then for the people. But Jesus, being the sinless sacrifice, literally went to the presence of God to offer himself for all people for all of time. C.S. Lewis says, The ascension completes the mystery. Christ is the perfect image of God in man, and in him man is taken up into God. The ascension is the final assurance that we too shall be taken up into God. I mean, what is C.S. Lewis talking about? He's saying that Jesus represented humanity and the heavenly realm. You see, humanity sinned. When Adam sinned, we turned away from God. And since Adam, no one has been able to live a sinful life. No one has given their life to following the ways of God. Humanity needed a human representation to take away our sin. And that's why Jesus came in the flesh, to be that perfect sacrifice for humanity. You see, in the Old Testament, that's why the Old Testament animal sacrifices, they were just a foreshadow of what was to come. We needed a human being to redeem us back to God. 1 Corinthians 15 says, For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. You see, Adam sinned and caused sin to come into creation to every single one of us. So through one man, death entered the world. Judgment. But through one perfect man, Jesus Christ, coming in the flesh, he redeems us back to the Father. John Stott says, The ascension is the triumph of the risen Lord, the coronation of the King of the universe, the entrance of the high priest into the Holy of Holies, and the foundation of the church's hope. You see, Jesus is the perfect high priest for us because he was fully human, so he can actually represent us, but he was also fully God and sinless, so he could take the debt of sin and bury it in the grave. This is the guarantee the sacrifice has been accepted. And another guarantee that the sacrifice has been accepted is the coming of the Holy Spirit. The second point is Jesus ascended to send the Holy Spirit. Acts says, on that occasion, when he was still eating, when he gave him this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said, and it's not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know why it's really important that Jesus had to ascend into heaven? It was to send the Holy Spirit. He had to present himself before the throne of God to make us holy. You see, we had to be cleansed before we could have the Holy Spirit come and dwell in us. 
Do you know that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? You're the temple of God? That pattern in the Old Testament where God's presence was in the tabernacle, His presence is in you now, and He couldn't live and dwell in us before Christ had presented Himself before God because we were not cleansed yet. But now through the sacrifice of Christ, when we put our faith and trust in Him, we are cleansed and we are able to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit to come and live in each and every one of us. Paul says, don't you know that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? But you're committing sexual immorality, you're doing all these things? You're defiling the temple? This is amazing. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would fill people for certain reasons or He would come upon people and rest on them. But now in the New Testament, He comes to live with us forever. Jesus ascended to send this power of the Holy Spirit that we would live holy lives and witness to the truth. Oswald Chambers says, The Holy Spirit is sent to us to teach us the truth of God's Word, to guide us in our daily lives, and to empower us to live a life pleasing to God. He's sent to teach us, to teach us His Word, to teach us His ways, to guide us through this life of pain and suffering. But He comes to empower us to live a life pleasing to God. And what pleases God when we preach the gospel, when we extend a hand to those who are in need? John 16, 7, Jesus says to his disciples, But very truly I tell you, it is, good, it, is good, it is for your good that I go away. Unless I go away, the Advocate or the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Why is it better that Jesus goes away and sends the Holy Spirit? Like, who would rather Jesus preaching right now? You can put your hand up. Yeah, one. That's my son. Of course, he's going to put his hand up. Anyone else can put their hand up, right? It would be way better if Jesus was preaching right now. Let me tell you. Way better. But here's the thing. Jesus can only be in one place at one time when he's in the body. When he's in human flesh, when he was here on earth, he was in one place at one time. That means he could only preach 52 times a year. There's more than 52 churches across the Gold Coast. But it's way better that he go and send the Holy Spirit, right? Because it's the presence of God with us, with his people, 24-7. The helper, the comforter, the guide, the power with us. But it's also the presence of God across the whole world in all believers. Not just in one spot. We're spread across the whole world where God can work through each and every one of us. That's way better than Jesus being in one place at one time. If you don't agree, Jesus said it. I didn't. He said it's way better that the Holy Spirit comes. John 16 says, Jesus tells them why the Holy Spirit came. He comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. You see, according to this verse, the Holy Spirit has a mission. It's to convict the world of sin, of unbelief, of rejection of God. That's the ultimate sin. To convict the world of righteousness, that there is only one righteous. That's the man, God-man, Jesus Christ. And of judgment, that sin has been judged. Sin has been defeated. Satan has been defeated. John Wesley says, The Holy Spirit is sent to us to convict us of sin, to convince us of our need for a saviour. See, the Holy Spirit is in every believer in the world for a purpose, a purpose he wants to accomplish through each and every one of us. We all carry the same Holy Spirit. It's not just special people. Every Christian carries this power. Jesus says the Holy Spirit was sent 
to the church to accomplish mission. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You know what the word there for power is? In the Greek, it's dynamis, which actually where we get the word dynamite from. This is like no ordinary power. This is the power of the Almighty God that created the stars and the heavens living in you. That blows my mind. A.W. Tozer says, The Holy Spirit is a source of power and wisdom that enables the church to overcome every obstacle and fulfill its mission in the world. You see, Jesus ascended into heaven to be that perfect sacrifice that would make us holy so we could have the literal presence of God living in us. The Holy Spirit in every believer empowering us to live our holy life but also empowering us to live out the gospel message of Jesus Christ, each and every one of us. My last point, Jesus ascended into heaven to rule and reign and intercede for us. In Hebrews 1, the book of Hebrews, it starts off with this beautiful discourse about who Jesus is. It says, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. It says, In the past, in the Old Testament, God spoke through prophets, right? But now he's actually spoken through his Son. The literal word of God has came and given us truth. He says he's heir of all things, that he's over all things, that he created the entire universe in and through him. And he continues, he says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. This tells us that Jesus is co-equal with the Father in power and honour and glory. This verse says that Jesus is the exact representation of God. If you want to know what God the Father is like, you look at the person and the work of Jesus. Jesus made the universe, all of creation. But at one moment, he stepped off his throne. He took upon himself human flesh to redeem us back to himself, back to the Father, that we would have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus was God in the flesh on earth, and now he's taken up his rightful position again on the throne. Thomas Aquinas says, Christ is seated at the right hand of God, not as if he needed a place to sit, but to signify his divine authority and power. You see, the right hand of God is a symbol of Jesus' divine power and glory. It wasn't like, oh, just sit there. That's a nice spot. God doesn't share his glory with anyone. It's only the Father, Son, Holy Spirit that share the glory of God. And Christ being seated there shows his power and his glory that he reigns over all things. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's God Almighty. Romans 8.34 says, Who then is it? Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life and is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Do you need someone to intercede for you? I know I do. There's things I struggle with on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. And I need an intercessor. I need someone to intercede on my behalf. That is who Jesus Christ is. He's our advocate. He's our intercessor before the Father. Jesus seated at the right hand of God. And every time someone repents and puts their faith and trust in him, Jesus goes, they're mine now. They're forgiven. They're redeemed. They're going to spend eternity with us. Because Jesus is alive and he's interceding all day, every day for you and me. Jesus is still at work today. He's interceding right now. He's still on mission in heaven. We think he's departed and he's just hanging out. He's still on mission in that heavenly realm. 
and through the Holy Spirit. I, for one, am so thankful for that, that I have a God that is interceding for me. Charles Spurgeon says, Christ is seated at the right hand of God is a reminder that he is our advocate and mediator before the Father and that he has all authority and power to save and bless us. Jesus is still saving people. Jesus is still alive and blessing people right now. And it's only through Jesus. There's only one, only one mediator between mankind and God, and that's the man Christ Jesus. That's the truth of the gospel. Hebrews 4 continues, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. This is such a beautiful verse. We worship a God who has empathy, that understands the struggles we go through, that understands the temptations that we face, yet he did not sin. But we can boldly come to that throne room of grace where Jesus is seated on that mercy seat. You know, in the Holy of Holies, the top of the Ark of the Covenant was called the mercy seat where they'd offer the sacrifice. Jesus seated in heaven on the mercy seat that all come through him receive that mercy. And we find that grace in the time of need. This is the whole reason why Jesus came in the flesh, to be our representation, to go to the cross, take your sin and my sin and bury it in the grave. And on the third day, he rose again in victory over sin and death that whoever believes in him, who repents and puts their faith and trust in him, will be redeemed and saved. That's the gospel. That's the beauty of who Jesus is. Aaron, do you want to come up? And to finish, Jesus will return. We're actually living in the church age, but we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to carry out his mission, to preach the gospel, to make disciples of all nations, commanding them to obey all that Jesus has commanded them until he returns and restores all things. Acts 1 says, Men of Galilee... Why do you stand there and looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you in heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. He's like, hey, you, you see that? That's all good. He's coming back. Don't stress. Jesus is coming back. This is our hope and assurance as Christians. We believe, we have faith that Jesus is coming back to restore all things at the right time. When this age has come to an end, when God decides it's time, when God decides it's time, Jesus will return the same way that he left. 1 Thessalonians talks about this. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. I love it how he rounds that off. He's like, yes, things are hard. Yes, things are tough. But he's coming back. He's coming back to restore all things. Encourage one another with these words. There'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears. There'll be no more sin. He is coming back. Jesus right now is ruling and reigning and seated on the right hand of the Father. And he's going to come and restore all things. Praise be to God. So to answer the question from the start, why did Jesus ascend into heaven? To present himself as the perfect, one-time, eternal sacrifice for sin for all humanity. He ascended into heaven to send us the Holy Spirit, 
the power of God living in each and every one of us to empower us to live a holy life, but also to empower us to spread the gospel message. And He's seated at the right hand of the Father right now, still ruling and reigning and interceding on our behalf, carrying out the mission until He returns. Therefore, because of Jesus' ascension, we can actually boldly step into relationship with God and with all courage and boldness, step into the mission of God to go out in the world to share His love and His mercy and His grace any way we can. Because Jesus is alive and He's seated at the right hand of the Father right now, ruling and reigning today. You see, the ascension of Jesus is just as vital as His death and resurrection. Praise be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Lord God, I just thank you so much for your word. Lord, we find so much truth, so much food for our soul. We thank you that your word transforms our heart, that we can put our faith and trust in you and you alone, God, because you are seated right now, alive at the right hand of the Father. Lord, I pray that you would intercede for us, that you would send us faith, faith that steps out in boldness, faith that changes our hearts and our minds. Lord, regardless of what we go through, we trust that you are on the throne. That's true faith. Lord, we trust that you are returning one day. But until that day, Lord, empower us by your Holy Spirit that we would see more people come to know you and more people, more like Jesus throughout this world, God. You might be sitting there in this moment and you've not received that grace. You've not received that love. You didn't know that Jesus loved you so much that he was willing to put on flesh be tortured and be murdered to prove His love for you. And today God is extending His hand. He's saying, I want a relationship with you. There's nothing you need to do. You don't earn my love. You have it. I love you. I adore you. I want to save you. And all you need to do is repent of your sin and put your faith in Him. So if that's you today, I'm just going to give you the opportunity right now. If you could put your hand up, I would love just to pray for you. You can do that now. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you see the hand? Lord, I pray that you would just bless her with your grace, with your mercy, with your truth. Lord, and those maybe have put their hand up in their heart. Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If that stirred something within you or you'd like prayer, you can head to church.nu forward slash prayer or contact us through our Instagram or Facebook page. We pray that you have a great week. Be blessed.